Tim and Tom. Tom, we're knee deep in it. The madness, the March madness. Have you been watching? I'm super pumped. I'm excited. Most people know why. Are you excited? It's March. It's March Madness. Well, Tim, as we told you last week, both you and I told our loyal listeners, which first off, thank you. Yeah. We gave you the locks mm-hmm. of who was going to win oh, yeah. the NCAA tournament. We said, follow us. We will not lead you astray. These are the picks uh-huh, to win perfect. your NCAA bracket. And as we predicted, Virginia <laughs> is going to win the national championship. Well, oh. that didn't happen. You know, here's the biggest thing that I took away from this whole tournament. It's that every sport now, and it started with football and now it's seeping into college men's basketball, is just a parody. It's all Everyone has a shot. You know, in the NFL, the greatest thing is that on week one, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the San Diego Chargers both think because of past history that they could win the Super Bowl, right? This year, no one really thought the Philadelphia Eagles were going to be this powerhouse and they end up winning the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. And that's the great thing about the NFL. Going into March Madness, at least for the last decade or so, not maybe so the last few years, but before that, you always knew like, okay, it's going to be Duke, Michigan State, North Carolina, Kansas, you know, the powerhouses. Well, this year, I mean, everything has been flipped on 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 its head. Yeah. We, as, as I mentioned, uh, we had Virginia winning the, the national championship game. And they didn't even get to the Sweet 16. You had a 16 seed for the first time in 133 games. 135. They were 135-0 and in one seed versus 16 seed games. And the first time in history a 16 seed beats a one seed. So it's just showing you that, like, Maybe the one-and-done programs of the Kentuckys and Dukes and North Carolinas is actually bad for the program itself because as soon as the one-and-done's out of there, if they don't have a stockpile of recruits, then they kind of get lowered down in these veteran teams like Auburn or like a Clemson or like a K-State or like a, uh, you know, uh, another lower-level kind of big-name school gets farther in the tournament and man i tell you what it's been incredible everything loyola Mm -hmm. the chicago school is now the the darling of the uh of the tournament do you know their local tie story yeah emily Mm -hmm. yeah emily went to the school there that's where she got her degree two kids from overland park that were best friends since birth almost and Mm -hmm. all they did here was go to four straight state championships win one of them and then they leave one goes to loyola one goes to iowa state with fred hoiberg he bolts for the nba he just goes to visit his friends he's like you know what i can play with my best friend live in chicago and play basketball so that's what they did and now they're here on the sweet 16 busting brackets left and right and that is fun and you're right there's there's because of things like that there's this increased parody kids are leaving left and right They shouldn't have to waste a year if they can go to the NBA, uh, but they are. So what's happening is these blue bloods, like you mentioned, are just stockpiling. Well, it's even hit or miss. You can get all the top recruits. If you don't get them to dial in and actually care, then they're not going to play well, which is where you get a five-seed Kentucky, and more on that later for sure. But the parity has increased at all, plus, and we kind of talked about this, basketball, if not the most, is one of the most easiest sports to beat a team that is wildly better than you. 
right? Because mm-hmm. there's a couple mm-hmm. factors at work here. At any given point, there's only five players on the field. You get one guy not playing well, that's 20% of the team. You get two not playing well, it's 40%. So, yeah, I mean, you could – look, UMBC had a troll playing for them at point guard, and this kid was balling out, right? Maybe that's rude to call him a troll, obviously, but you know what I mean? Like, he was, you, you would not look at that guy and go, yeah, he's going to beat Virginia. It was a – noticeable size difference so much that i was getting worried because k-state i'm a huge k-state fan i was like oh we're gonna have to play virginia next they're huge and then i was like oh no wait a minute these guys are just really small on umbc but if you're not dialed in you're not playing well crazier things happen and now there's increased parity because yeah all the one and dones are going to these big schools but everybody else is kind of floating around you're getting transfers you're it's just kind mm-hmm. of a college basketball has turned into this almost fly-by-night operation. Somebody's here one moment and gone the next. Coaches uh, like Tubby Smith out here saying kids transferring is is the whole big problem. Meanwhile, he's in his sixth school and in as many, you know what I mean? like he, In five years. And, yeah, he's left his last two jobs after three years. So, I mean, like right. he does not want to talk. Uh, but this tournament has been awesome. And I kind of like, yeah, it's not a true necessarily representation of who was the best. Uh, no. in college basketball that year but i do like that because every conference tournament gets the guaranteed winner gets a spot or the winner gets a guaranteed spot in the ncaa tournament you could theoretically tom lose every single game in the regular season and win the national championship right mm-hmm. you could theoretically yeah. pull that off and that is mm-hmm. super fun and that gives everybody some hope and something to play for when that postseason comes around so i kind of like that um and of course i really like it this year because it gives me all the warm fuzzies to go hey man nothing's impossible here you just got to win four basketball games from this moment out because k-state's in that sweet 16 right and we talked about this none of these games look unwinnable because of that parody of college basketball definitely so i'm excited and one thing yeah and one thing that i've noticed and you were talking about where you know, maybe a undersized team has the greatest chance to beat the physically superior team than any other sport, right? Yeah. Well, also to go along with that point, uh, I would all, uh, also argue that chemistry has the mm-hmm. biggest to do with playing basketball than yep. any other sport, right? So if I'm pitching in baseball, I could be great. The second baseman could have an off day, but if the ball's never hit to the second baseman, right. well, who cares, right? There's no, yeah. yeah. I, I can be by myself and impact this game. Whereas with basketball, like you said, if one player's playing bad, well, someone else has to pick it up. And then they also have to be on the same page because yep. you can't just dribble. The, it can't just be one person dribbling the ball the entire time, right? So right. that's where, like, a Loyola has two guys that have grown up together. They have that chemistry. They don't need to say, like, okay, if I come off this pick, you need to cut right. down. They can, they can just look at each other and know exactly what they're thinking, whereas the Kentucky five-star recruits are physically superior, are jumping out of the building, you know, all of these amazing mm-hmm. phys- physical at- attributes. But when they look at their teammate, they might not even remember his name. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, right, yeah. like, they only Jeff, know his nickname. I, they don't know right, his yeah. real name. <laughs> exactly. They're like, Jeff, I need you to go down low. And he's like, my name's Tyler. Like, yeah. <laughs> right. You know, like, so that's another thing with this tournament is the chemistry is such a big mm-hmm. part of success. And that's where you're seeing like the Loyola's like the UMBC and UMBC is a true upset. A 16 oh, beating a one yeah. is astronomical. That is yeah. the Chicago Cubs winning the, the world series. That is the Red Sox winning the world series, that kind of stuff. But those lower, you know, 
12 beats a five or in the second round, you know, 11 beats a three, those kind of things. That's where you're seeing that chemistry, that camaraderie, the we were on the bus together going to a small school in Springfield, whatever state and playing there, you know. That's where you're getting all of that, and that's where you're seeing the success of some of these mm-hmm. smaller schools. But it's it's fun because now next year, right now, I've, I filled out two brackets. I filled out one with you. Yeah. Right. We'll have the winner or loser do something. We're still deciding on that. We'll probably decide one once the tournament's over. Yeah. And, yeah. The loser then, will decide it should not be that drastic. <laughs> exactly. Like, it was, it was easy, easy. But then I got another bracket with Emily, and we just bet dinner. Right. Mm-hmm. So loser had to buy dinner. And Emily literally was like, I don't know any of these schools. I I mean, she knows Loyola because she went there, but uh, everything else was just, I don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. And she's beating me. Yeah. (laughs) I'm supposed to be the sports guy, you know? And so, uh, and that's what I'm saying each year. Now it's going to be, in my opinion, more fun and fun for the casual person because everyone likes a friendly bet. Everyone likes a friendly wager. And, when everything's just tossed in the air, it's fun to just predict where it'll fall. And Tom, so, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I used to dominate my office pools, whatever. There was a time at the radio station we worked at, I won it three years in a row, not too long ago, because mm-hmm. I watch enough college basketball. Even though I only typically watch the Big 12, it lets me know what's important in college basketball. I watch the postseason. So I was able to kind of, with minimal research, look at a roster. You know, kind of get a rundown, read a few articles and go, okay, I get the feel of this team versus another one. Here's a chance, blah, blah, blah. And I would typically, you know, there's also some proven uh, things that that increase your chances to win those, right? So I would typically dominate those. Using all of those same techniques, the last couple of years have been out the window. Yeah. Not even close. Not even close. <laughs> I got a notification that I was in 203, you know, 237,322nd place or something when the Sweet 16 came in. And one of those, I did a completely four fun bracket, right? Like just to get it out of my system, K-State's winning the national championship. So how would that be possible, right? Well, UMBC would have to beat Virginia. So then I get a notification like, well, how did you know? And I'm like, because I made that up. That was not <laughs> supposed to happen. And nobody, look, okay, yes, all this parody here now, uh, yada, 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 everything we've said, UMBC maybe even every single one of those players went into there thinking we can win this game. Not a single one of them went in there thinking we're going to win this game. None of them right. thought it was going to really happen. Nobody did. Not even Virginia. And the, the that's why this tournament is so fun. And then just the, the great thing about this tournament too, is that every single game is a both for, for what you're going to watch at the end of this game is both pure elation and hope and joy on one side, and a complete instantaneous, almost crushing, uh, just realization of the end, right? It's mm-hmm. such a dichotomy of emotion, and and nothing was more well captured in that regard than the end of the Michigan-Houston game. And I don't know if you saw this one, yeah. but Houston's oh, up late. Yeah. Houston's up late with three seconds left, whatever. Michigan gets the inbounds ball. The guy is falling back backwards on his backside to make this three to let Michigan win the game as the buzzer as the buzzer sounds and the Houston guy the the Houston player just lay down on the floor he just didn't even know what to do and so you get yeah, the he just collapsed yeah he just collapsed and then you see the Michigan players dogpiling, right? Well, the first, the guy gets up running around, not knowing what to do with his hands, right? Doesn't know what to do, running mm-hmm. around. And then they dogpile him, and you see that the cameraman spot on on this one. 
captures the look over the Houston player who just collapsed and gave up. You know, I mean, emotional. You looking over him into this pure joy of of just you know we've got to just jump on top of our friend here because you know what I mean we're moving on and we got a shot at this thing it was amazing it, that should win some sort of awards for you know what I mean for live action camera I don't know what that was but that's the beauty of this NCAA March Madness thing is 68 teams are in this 67 of them are going to lose their last game so much emotion so much ups and downs so many wild how did that possibly happen? Uh, and it's all packed into just a span of a couple weeks. It's it's one of the greatest events in sports. Yeah, and that's why it, it's so fun to watch. And now as more things get crazier and crazier, more people will just go like, well, I want in on the fun. I'll yeah. have UMBC, which I guarantee you, if anyone did have UMBC winning, they could not tell you what UMBC stood for. <laughs> yeah. I guarantee you. I had to look it up, and mm-hmm. I'm a college basketball fan. Like, I don't necessarily agree with you know some of the things with the NCAA, but you know I'll watch a basketball game if it's oh, sure, on course, the yeah. TV. You know, but UMBC, I had to Google. I never had heard of UMBC, mm-hmm. University of Maryland, Baltimore County. Yeah, what? I the, the state of Virginia's <laughs> institution. Yeah. Like that's incredible to I, say. I, I and I had just watched the K State Creighton game, and we will talk more about that in my favorite thing of the week. But that game was over. K-State's moving on. The next game coming on after, you know, they clean up the court and whatever is Virginia and UMBC. And I said, you know what? I haven't watched Virginia play a full game. I want to watch and see what we're up against. What are we going to lose to on Sunday? Right? Like, how how bad is this going to actually be? And then, you know, it's tied at half. And I was like, oh, man, wouldn't that be fun? But nah, I've seen this play out in nearly every one versus six. You'll see it a lot. Sometimes they'll hang with them for a little while, right? But then, nah, you know, it just doesn't happen. But then UMBC just came out and punched them in the mouth to start. And Virginia hadn't been down more than, what they said, nine or something all season long. They just didn't know how to do it. They did not know how to play fast and come back. And that's uh, was one of the funnest things because in no way, I was I was texting you. I was like, man, this is this is going to happen. We've never seen this. This is fun. Yeah, and what a bigger picture now uh, as far as the topic, but how incredible in our lifetime that we have seen some of the most outrageous things you think were uh, never going to happen, happen, right? So the 16 beats the one, yeah. the Cubs win the World Series, yeah. the, the Cavaliers come back from being down 3-1 against the greatest regular ba- season yeah. basketball team of all time. Like, sports is just turning into such a mind cluster of just, well, I don't know. Now maybe yeah, it is. Why not? You know? <laughs> you know, we speak about social change and all of this other stuff, but really as far as sports go, this is the greatest changing of, uh, uh, of norms mm-hmm. that I think we've ever seen. And it's incredible. And it, yep. I, I just love, it. I yep. love it. I love it too. And we got 15 games left and we will talk about, uh, some of those, uh, hopefully, uh, more than just one of those in my favorite thing of the week. Tim and Tom. One of my favorite stores of my childhood and even teenage and even a little bit of adult because I was a pro wrestling fan. And they cut, carried pro wrestling action mm-hmm. figures. But Toys R Us announced that they are going bankrupt. They're going to close down all the stores or sell the stores. So basically they are going under. 
uh, saying bye bye. Toys R Us is gone. And your initial reaction, Tim, is well. I mean, obviously that's sad. I mean, as a sixty-year institution, I specifically, when I was a kid growing up, I grew up in Manhattan, Kansas, which is by nobody's who's lived in a big city like Kansas City would would think is a even medium-sized town, right? I mean, it was a small town now in a lot of people's eyes. It was definitely a small town then because I'm old, right? So. <laughs> You are. Uh, yes. We didn't have a Toys R Us, but I would see all the commercials on the Nickelodeon and the whatever, and I was always like Toys R Us. So whenever I would get to a Toys R Us, I was like, oh, just oh man, right. So that was it. Always held like this, uh, you know, aura of just this amazing place to me when I was a young child, and been to it as an adult with my kids. And it's, I mean, it's a, it was always a vast store of toys, right? You know, so that. It, that kind of sucks. I mean, if you, you know, we can get into your initial reaction because I mean, you know, uh, there's all sorts I, of reasons why this thing is is not able to continue. But you know, well, to me, and now again, I am not uh, a father. I don't have children that I know of. Yeah. I'm kidding, but right. um, uh, honestly, you're kidding that you first, don't know of. Exactly. Right. Uh, my my honest first reaction is how like. How? I get that the trend of buying things online Mm -hmm. and, you know, being shipped to your house, Mm -hmm. Amazon, all of that kind of uh, business is booming and taking off. However, I would always think, because when I was a kid, the easiest way to distract me from bad news is coming on the, you know, coming up or uh, leave mom alone and stop, Mm -hmm. you know, pulling on her leg to tell her to, you know, that you want to do things is to go to Toys R Us and just for me, go down the pro wrestling aisle, pick out, you know, one or two, if I was lucky, uh, and we could go home with those two action figures or just look at them. And I'd spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes going like, Oh, Hulk Hogan. Oh, Kevin Nash. Oh, Razor Ramon. Oh, you know, and all these things. And I'm like, that yeah. physical touching of a toy, mm-hmm. I would still think, is something that mm-hmm. it is. is evident in 2018. Is. So maybe as a father, I don't know. My first reaction, like I said, is how. So mm-hmm. what do you – how? How did this happen? Well, so okay. So that is still a very big draw because we will say to – typically a lot of times for Christmas or birthdays, we will give our children um, money in addition to whatever you know presents. But the uh, large portion now that they're – you know, they're 10 and 13, they get large chunks of money and Hey, what do you want to buy? Do you want to save up for a big thing? Or do you want a bunch of little things? What are you feeling like? Right. So we give them that kind of play with it. Well, uh, my son who's still, you know, since he's 11 now, but, uh, you know, at nine, 10, when we're doing this, he's still into toys and stuff. Right. And, uh, we'd always tell him, Hey man, uh, you don't have to get something here. We're at Walmart or we're at Toys R Us. Like we can look online, you know, cause he'd be looking for a specific thing or something. Wouldn't find it. And then I could tell he's like trying to determine what thing he's going to settle for there with that money instead. And I'm like, nah, man, we can get Amazon. We have Amazon prime, but we can get you this in two days. Right. But still seeing and touching was yeah. more to him than that. Right. The, I don't want to wait mm-hmm. two days. Right. It's still here. Mm-hmm. So that's still there. Um, uh, some of the stuff I was reading on some of the business articles is that there's a, a bit, I mean, you know, without getting too crazy political uh, into economics is that it was not doing well. Toys R Us was not, uh, you know, a while back. And then uh, in comes the uh, business uh, capital investors, right? The financial investors. Hey, 
we can flood you with some capital and we can improve, right? We've got some capital, and so we're going to be invested, and we're going to say, you know, we're going to help you. We're going to turn this thing around, right? We're going to be able to give mm-hmm. you the capital that you're going to need to to catch back up with infrastructure and technology and blah, 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 right? Uh, well, that's good in theory, but what happens in practice is these companies are just looking to make money off of their money, and it's a lot easier to dump that on there and then say, okay, we own all your assets now, right? Because mm-hmm. so now you're saddling the company, which, you know, the company in quotes, whatever that is, uh, is now saddled with this debt, right? So now the company's in a worse position than they were with the promise of, but we're going to help show you the way. Well, they don't. They own the assets. They don't care anymore, right? They'll just liquidate those off, which is what they're doing now. But in the meantime, they also get to restructure that debt. And each time they do that, they get their, I get a 1%, you know, the executive bonus. I get a bah. I get a bah. Because that's Mm -hmm. capital investment. It's the making money off of money that has kind of turned our economy into this cutthroat, you know, the wolf, you know, Wolves of Wall Street or whatever it was, whatever that, you know. Right, yeah, Wolf of Wall Street, yep. Right, it's these kind of ideas. It's the same kind of thing. It's, it's, yes, I'm sure even they go in with the intention of we're going to turn this company around, but what really happens is, Two years down the road, the company's not turning around. We go, oh, well, we need to restructure this debt because we can get a better deal. Oh, when I do that, it's built into my contract that I get a, you know, all of our executives get a bonus. Well, that comes still right out of the, you know what I mean? So the debt's settled to the company, then they get to liquidate the assets, and, you know, our bankruptcy laws are such that they get to go, oops, oops. That that's right? sad, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I'll miss it. Uh, I I love, like I said, I love Toys R Us. I love going there as a kid. Uh, for me, it was the WWF, WCW, ECW action figures, a little bit of the Ninja Turtles, a little bit of the um, G.I. Joe, but the Nintendo know, stuff. Yeah, Nintendo stuff. Yeah, because you get video games and everything. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's sad. And where I was from, Independence, the Toys R Us on uh, the other side of the town in Independence was the thing. So mm-hmm. like the Independence Center and all that stuff mm-hmm. was on one side and then the other side was anchored with the toys R us. So when you went on that side, you're like, okay, I'll visit, you know, aunt, whatever her name is, or let's go to your Gordman's or whatever store it is. But if we're going on that side of the town, that means toys R us. And so, uh, it's going to be sad that that's not a thing anymore. So unfortunately, uh, kind of like what you alluded to, um, bad business practices and some, uh, loophole laws are making it go away. So, Toys R Us, you will be remembered. Hopefully, rising like a phoenix from the ashes is a new well, yeah. toy giant, and we can get these stores back to a yeah. new, you know, Toys R Us two or whatever it's going to be called. And, and yeah, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I was going to say, and then the kids for tomorrow, you know, your kids, your kids' kids, whatever it is, then they can have a place to go to. And somebody owns the name, right? So it, this doesn't have to go away hostess shut down a few years ago if you'll remember right. that was big in kansas city and we still got cupcakes and twinkies thankfully mm-hmm. yep. thankfully so you know this is here i mean yeah we used to go to the oak park mall one the olathe uh that near the you know once great mall where that used to stand um you know right. like it's you know uh, it, it was an institution it was a big time deal it could still be around we may not have seen the last of the toys r us name of course but yeah it's it's a shame it's a shame to see it go tim and tom hey tom yeah we talked a lot about basketball earlier 
mm-hmm. right? But uh, Kansas City's kind of known for being a bit of a football town at times, right? Yeah, we got the Chiefs here, of course, right? Yep. And we, and we like our uh, you know we like our college teams around here, but we really like our pro teams. What if I told you, Tom? There's going to be more professional football coming. I would say more heartache for the sports enthusiast. So we've talked before about the XFL. We're big pro wrestling fans. Vince McMahon is a, a man we know uh, uh, well about, and he's going to revamp the XFL in 2020. But, Tom, but, but. Oh, this is a good story. Yeah, let's get yeah, into it. Yep. A little bit of a wrinkle in this. Mm-hmm. Uh, while Vince McMahon promised, I'm going to read this off of ESPN.com. So if it sounds like I'm reading an article by Darren Ravel, uh, ESPN senior writer, that would be why. It says, while Vince McMahon promises to bring back a revamped XFL in 2020, a son of McMahon's partner in the original short-lived XFL venture said his football league will come first and some big NFL names will be involved. Ooh. Right? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Charlie Ebersol. Anybody not knowing, Dick Ebersol was an NBC executive, an NBC sports executive, and just a major television media producer, uh, the highest ever. He, he probably makes more money than some yeah, every NFL player, maybe even most of them combined, right? I mean, he he's owner-level money, right? Well, his son, Charlie Ebersol, who directed the documentary on the XFL that aired last year, uh, announced Tuesday that his league, uh, a new league, the Alliance of American Football, plans to debut February 9th, 2019. Tom, it's less than a year away, if you couldn't check a calendar. The week after Super Bowl 53. The season will run 10 weeks and we'll have 50 man teams. Well, here's the biggest story. Here's the biggest note that, uh, in my opinion, jumped yeah. off the page is two big investors in the new football league are Peter Thiel, the yep. founder yeah. uh, of, um, uh, PayPal, PayPal and barstool sports investor, mm-hmm. the Charon group, which if you've seen anything in sports, uh, in the last, I don't know, 12 to 14 months that has gone viral, Barstool Sports is in it somehow, it seems like. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have basically uh, PayPal, and I, I'm uh, oversimplifying this, but you basically have PayPal and Barstool Sports saying, we're going to get on board with uh, this new football league. Barstool Sports already goes after the NFL with their parody shirts of uh, Roger Goodell and their making fun of, you know, anything not New England. So it should be interesting to see what those two big heavy hitters, what they can do. Mm-hmm. Another interesting aspect that you'd mentioned in, in that press release that I found very interesting is uh, Ebersol's son essentially used the mm-hmm. 30 for 30 documentary as a Trojan horse. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is he did this amazing documentary. And if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, uh, take some time, definitely go seek out that 30 for 30, but it, it brought back all of these fun memories of he hate me and, uh, the fun, you know, no kickoffs and this and that, and all these weird little wacky things. And you go, man, that was, that was a good time. So it got, it rekindled all of those great emotions that you had about a defunct one year league. Yep. And now, Oh, coincidentally, yeah. we got one coming next year. Well, and yeah. Yeah. That and on top of that, it was about the XFL, which you had mentioned is coming back. But here's the thing: the XFL is coming back with one investor. Now that one investor is Vince McMahon, and he has some money. But XFL is coming back in 2020. You had mentioned in that article mm-hmm. that this new football league is coming in 2019, yeah. and as we know, 
first come first serve with eyeballs. And if you're out there before the competitor, you're a step ahead. And so it should be interesting. Yeah. I, and, and all that told me is, uh, a 100% sure when this all started talking, the Ebersols and the McMahons had conversations about this. There is no way they didn't. Those two, Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon might run away together and live their retirements out on an island together. Okay. They love each other. So something happened here where it went sour, at least from the McMahon standpoint and knowing Vince McMahon, like I do, he got out and did a press conference saying, I'm doing it before the other people who were already doing it happened. Right. So that's where I think this whole XFL idea was born out because they even ended that documentary going like, huh, I wonder if this would work again. Huh? Yeah, okay, it all makes sense now. And something went wrong, and that's why I think McMahon's almost, it almost feels like he's doing the XFL out of spite. Exactly to what you were saying there with the the announcement. He said before they did, we're back. But guess what? You're second as far as release date. And so, yeah, you essentially now knowing the new information that we do, it seems like you are doing that out of spite. It's the... No, 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 we're here first. Well, when do you debut? 2020? Well, they said 2019, and they're waiting to make a real you know, press release and investors into this league. So, yeah, we shall see how this so, happens. So here's a couple of things, right? So <clears throat> they mention 59 million people play fantasy and 20 million people play only fantasy football. We have to be able to take advantage of the people who just stopped playing fantasy when the NFL season ends, and that's Dick Ebersol. So they also mention here there's going to be no kickoffs. The ball is going to be automatically placed at the 25-yard line. No onside kicks. The losing team will just start on its own 35-yard line uh, with 4th and 10. Play clocks will be 30 seconds, and every touchdown will be followed by a two-point conversion attempt. Uh, They also said eight teams and cities that will be announced in the next three months will start by having regional drafts. Uh, protecting eligible players who played in the local community for their college days, which is a smart idea, along with good football and names the local market knows. A hallmark of the league will be no TV timeouts and 60% fewer commercials, as well as an innovative approach to broadcasting. The thing I heard on the radio was they're mentioning about how to figure out a way to, or that they have figured out a way to be actively playing fantasy football as the game progresses with your buddies in the room or on the internet around the world, right? So this could be a unique, interesting thing that they're, uh, you know, that they're going to present. That's what the XFL did. Remember the XFL introduced us to new things that eventually became commonplace because the NFL is such an institution that they're afraid to try new things that might get Mm -hmm. scorned. Right. But the XFL Mm -hmm. don't care. This company don't care. So I'm interested to see how this works out. I like that idea of the local market, you know, uh, tie in because Protection. we talked about yeah. because we've talked about this. Um, it's hard to care about. It's much easier uh, because you said it, they're exploiting college athletes, but it's much easier for them to do that because I care about Kansas State because I grew up in Manhattan, Kansas, and mm-hmm. went to school there for a little bit, and everybody I know did right, and we all went there on Sundays. Uh, but uh, the Swope Park Rangers with you know somebody from Memphis and somebody from you know, Ghana, like, I don't care. Right. Like it's just, right. yes, mm-hmm. it's closer to me, but I don't care. So this can help some of that. So I'm interested to see how this plays out. 
Yeah, I like some of the rule changes that they've had different than the NFL. I hate that they're getting rid of the kickoff. The kickoff, to me, is one of the most exciting football plays there is. Now, I understand with what we know about the brain and concussions, hey, let's try to minimize that as much as possible. So get rid of it, right? Like, they can't get a concussion if they can't perform that play. Uh, so I'm I'm okay with that, uh, I guess. But like I said, it was one of the most – you know, Dante Hall – Tamrick Vanover. There's people that I think of with the kickoff that excited me to watch the game. Um, I do like that uh, after every touchdown, it's a two point conversion because the kick is almost the kick is almost like forgettable. It's like they score. And if you're watching the NFL, I'm using that example here. uh, You get up and you start to get more dip, get more chips, grab another hot dog. Like the kick is just like, wait a minute, he missed? Like it's almost a forgettable or forgettable uh, aspect of the game. So might as well get rid of it and now make him do another play. So I like that aspect too. But it should be be interesting to see because in my opinion, uh, too much football is not good. And so one of these leagues, one of these leagues will fall. And I'm not talking about the NFL. So – Game on from here on out, and let's see uh, what yeah. happens. Because the most interesting story from this could be another 30 for 30 about the fallout between Dick Ebersol and Vince McMahon. They might die fighting each other over this football league. You know, yeah, you never I, know. I just feel like there's enough money in the one that's going to come out first that McMahon really needs to reconsider this because, boy. But now he has said that, you know, we're wrestling fans, so we worry about that. But none of that money that he's putting in the XFL is coming from WWE uh, money at all, nor is it affiliated whatsoever. It's all his own personal money, which is astounding that he has that much. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, I just think, yeah, I just think that Vince McMahon, one, has a stink uh, attached to his name to the general public, right? If I tell your brother, aunt, girlfriend, boyfriend, father, mother, Vince McMahon is going to do something or pro wrestling is going to do something else. You immediately go like, is it fixed? Is it dumb? What's going to happen? One, we already saw the failure of the XFL. So is it going to be, he hate me too out there, you know? And so he's already starting at a different starting point. He's already starting, you know, 10 10 steps behind this new league and this new league, like I mentioned has heavy hitters invested into it. Not, uh, only just the Ebersols. So, uh, not good news for our old buddy Vince. Side note, uh, you mentioned, you know, the, a lot of talk about getting rid of the kickoffs because, you know, we're trying to find ways to bring down these concussions and everything. Can we do a little bit of a side bar off of this? Uh, I feel like there's a much easier solution to this, to the concussion okay, issue in, in, in football is to stop allowing the idea that that you're down simply by me pushing you down to the ground at 50 miles an hour running across the field. I should not be able to use my body as a projectile missile to knock you the hell over. Of course that is going to concuss everybody involved. If you just render it, a mandated you've got to grab that person and wrestle them to the ground, you're going to eliminate most of those because that's when you get it. You get their head rocking against the ground or the helmet-to-helmet full-on speed collision. Start yeah. making that an unnecessary roughness, and that's mm-hmm. going that's going. Now, here's the, what's going to happen. Yeah, our receiver is going to score more points. Sure. But is that not what the public has been asking for? And is that not what's already been happening anyway? There's one punt in the Super Bowl, right? So, I mean, 
if you force it. Plus, I'm a little more impressed if you go up there and you man wrestle that guy to the ground that Tom, I could knock over uh, a large man if you let me run 40 yards at him. Like, it's not right. impressive to me. And it's dangerous. Yeah. It's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like, I agree. I, I feel like that's a simple rule that they could imply that nobody wants to do. Well, you know, now maybe the NFL feels like their feet are to the fire and maybe you start seeing more things like that because with every action, there is a reaction and the NFL is the uh, king of the hill, as they say. And the first thing you do as king of the hill is push everyone back down. So if this new league starts to figure out, you know, one or two things that makes the viewer more interested, maybe all of a sudden the NFL starts adopting that new uh, policy as well. Now, and that does not, uh, account for the many concussions that come to like offensive linemen and mm-hmm. and things of that nature. Uh, but there's uh, again, again, don't allow the concept of we're all standing on the line and as soon as that ball snap, we're going to battle ram our heads into each other. Make them stand up yep. and sumo wrestle. Like you can do these things and still have a a physical wrestling test of strength amongst eleven men versus another eleven men or women, whatever. Right? I, I don't care even, but just. Like, it feels like you can still have it. Uh, rugby pulls this off. You know what I mean? Like, you can still mm-hmm. have this amazingly physical, uh, nobody else can do what we're doing out here, but still not bang each other's heads against each other into the ground. This is not yep. sustainable. It's not going to keep going this way. It can't. Tim and Tom. We've got a great guest tonight, Alex Morrow the health hustle coach. She is going to share her incredible journey from how she was to where she is now. Inspiring uh, what she story. Can do, yeah. Inspiring story. What she can do to help you. If you're uh, looking to uh, restart some health goals or start some health goals from scratch, she's going to be yeah. on the other side of this break. What do you got for us, Tim? Anything? No, I mean, that's just it. Just if you want to hear an inspiring story and then hear about how you can put some hustle towards your own health. Uh, Stick around for that interview with Alex Morrow after the break when we come back to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, Mountain Dew was originally created in the 1940s as a chaser for whiskey. The name Mountain Dew is a cheeky reference to the southern nickname for moonshine. Everything earned, nothing is given, I know, I'm not concerned. I knew I was meant for this from the go, don't think I ain't put in that label. Don't think that you did me no favors. Don't think I won't do this shit, ain't you? If you don't see me now, you'll see me later. If you don't see me now, you'll see me later. You gotta see me now, you'll see me later. Uh, middle fingers when I see my head. Rather see me down than see this paper. If you don't see me now, you'll see me later. Tim and Tom. Hey, Tom, did I tell you we have an Amazon affiliate link on our website now? Uh, no, that's yeah, cool. It is. So what that means is listeners who are listening to us right now, they can go to our website, timandtomkc.com. The link is written right there at the top of the page. It says Amazon. They'll buy whatever they're going to buy at the same price, and we're going to get a little action. They're going to give us a little kickback from it. Amazon is. Yeah, this is a really cool feature, guys. What I like about it the most is you're not charged anything extra. So if you buy an item off of Amazon, for example, that is $10, you're still paying $10. You're not paying 11 or 12 mm-hmm. But the difference is that a little bit of the kickback, as Tim mentioned, comes to us. So instead of that money going to Jeff Bezos and a billionaire, ah, 
He doesn't need another private jet. But you know what? We need a couple of dollars to run the site, pay for some things that we've got going on with Tim and Tom Casey. It's a great way to help us out. Every little bit counts. We appreciate it oh so much. Tim and Tom. All right. So, Alex, we are thankful that you are joining us tonight. We want to tell your story because you have a really great inspirational story. And you're also kind of jumping into the the health and lifestyle world. So I guess for the first question, kind of fill us in on what you're doing now. I've been a coach for the last two and a half years for a corporate company. Recently in December, I left there and decided that I wanted to take things to the next level on my own and start my own coaching business. And so um, I've launched the Health Hustle Coaching program. What does that actually entail? What does a lesson with you kind of look like? Coaching appointment with me um, is a one-on-one appointment. We're going to, you know, if if we have already established rapport um, and things are going, we're going to set goals, SMART goals, using the SMART goals acronym there. We're going to talk about different challenges that have presented themselves week to week, different challenges that we can foresee in the future and how we're going to handle those situations when it comes to sticking to the things that, that matter most in order to reach fitness goals. So, uh, you know, it varies client to client. Everybody has different challenges. Everybody has different goals and, uh, and everybody leads a very different life. So everything from uh, holiday planning to how to get back into exercise, how to nutrition label and fact read, self-care, sleep, um, anything that has to do with that may impact or has to do with reaching your goals. Uh, I'm there to kind of support, talk through, speak from a place of experience, speak from a place of of knowledge and yeah, just give that that support, that accountability, and and that resource to to people needing it. You uh, mentioned everybody's got their own unique challenges and and different challenges. Of course, is there anything maybe that sticks out particularly that you see very frequently that maybe isn't really a challenge, but maybe everybody thinks it is, or just everybody seems to have this same challenge and and you've got to kind of repeat yourself to every client or anything like that. The main thing that I see is people immediately going after perfection or setting unrealistic parameters for themselves when it comes to reaching their goals. So my coaching style is pick two things to change um, and let's let's build on them. Let's start there and build on them. It's centered around if, if we go about things trying to be perfect all of the time, 100% of the time, uh, the odds are greatly against us that we're going to fail at some point. And and when we expect perfection of ourselves and we fail, that can bring on some uh, a lot of feelings. And that's the second thing that I see uh, the biggest challenge being, the um, most common challenge being is learning how to deal with feelings and emotions and, and begin to react to them differently. So setting a, a realistic uh, goal is, is definitely key and definitely a challenge. Everybody, you know, wants to wants to go do the whole 30 and, and go completely paleo. And, and I'm not against supporting any of those things, but, but I just think that a gradual entrance and introduction to those things makes that change far more sustainable and realistic. I'm checking out your Instagram here, and it's at the Health Hustle Coach. We spoke earlier about how you've had this major transformation. For people who don't really know your story, tell us a little bit about how you, you were and how you got to, to this point now. Woo! Uh, so, you know, my my transformation uh, really starts 11 years ago. 11 years ago, I had lap band surgery, 
and I lost a significant amount of weight, and in a short period of time, I gained it all back. Um, I was young. I was in college, and, you know, unfortunately, the lap band was so new, nobody told me that uh, that I need to eat different or think about water and vitamins and minerals and adequate nutrition. They, you know, I just still ate Chick-fil-A and pizza and drank beer, just less of it. And very, very quickly, that, that weight came back on, which was devastating for a long period of time. And then and then I have uh, some history with some of the, the common weight loss programs uh, that people know of. And again, uh, I lost 80 pounds that second round, and, and I put back on more than 130. And so, you know, by the time I was 28, I was 305 again. Mm. And uh, that, was, that was 39 months ago is when I started this round. And honestly, getting started, it, it wasn't about me. Um, I was married at the time, and my ex-wife, she, she got sick and um, we set out to combat some of those symptoms and, and inflammation with foods. And we read a book called The Walls Protocol, and we followed that, you know, on the most generic basic level. I learned a lot. But again, not entirely about me. Uh, the turning point for me would have came, you know, in, in December of 2014. We had a nurse come out to the house, and, you know, just the more she talked and the more more uh, she said what she was there for, the more it became apparent that she was only there because I couldn't care for my wife on my own because of my own, you know, physical condition. And, you know, that bothered me a whole lot. So uh, I got back into working out with my with my brother, Sharkbait, uh, Glory MMA and Fitness. That's where it really all started for me. Um, I think that, you know, I, I credit Glory with um, changing my mindset um, a whole lot of support early on in my journey, a great culture, and then um, and then just really having the opportunity to fall in love with the sport again, um, being a, a lifelong athlete, you know, well into to my teens, um, I didn't realize how much I missed being an athlete. So that was the start of it. And then about seven months in and 90 pounds down, um, some of those old habits started creeping back in. And, uh, you know, I realized I'm really good at losing weight, but I suck at keeping it off. And I really had to get to the core of why that was happening. And I knew I had to get to the core of, of why it was happening in order to, to put this behind me once and for all. And that is when um, I hired Jeff Miner of the Triumph Program, which I know you guys had him on the show a couple of weeks ago. I worked one-on-one -on -one with him for about seven months, and that was one one hell of a journey. We really focused on self-love and limiting thoughts and beliefs that, that kind of came from a place of caring what other people think and, and setting healthy boundaries and, and working through some some past trauma and drama. Not a whole lot of fun stuff, but super, super, super critical stuff. Uh, that guy changed my life. That program changed changed my life. And then during that time, I I got the got a job coaching, health coaching for that corporate company. And the rest is kind of history, you know. I think I still lost 40 pounds from the time that I got that job as a coach to now. And and I really credit that to sitting one-on-one -on -one with people. It's, it's, an, it's really, really difficult to preach something to somebody when you're not doing that yourself. And mm -hmm. so in order for me to be the best coach I could be, it meant a whole different level of, of self-accountability for me. I think that it also helped me do what I'm doing here, which is, is kind of exposing all. And that's, I think, what makes me most unique as a coach is that I'll, I wear my journey on my sleeve. There's not one single part I won't talk about. And right. um, because I know that it's, it's helping to impact lives. So 
140 pounds later, 16 dress sizes, and, um, <laughs> and you know, near every area of my life changing. Here I am. That is uh, amazing. It's an inspiring story, uh, to say the least. And, and you mentioned Jeff and the, and the Triumph program and then just Glory MMA and fitness, and you mentioned a lot of kind of culture and mental approach and then sort of kind of just this whole lifestyle change and it it seems as though you've kind of carried that on into some of how you approach things am i reading that right yeah absolutely absolutely so can you expand then maybe on like the importance of the physical health on a lifestyle is so important that i mean how much of your time do you think you're spending on motivation versus physical technique of something because while that's important um, it almost feels like a whole lot of weight needs to be put on the motivation, the mental aspect, the the culture, and that sort of thing. Uh, that is definitely the thing that is, is most important and probably challenges me the most. Uh, I do I stay on top of my mental game uh, several ways. I listen to motivational videos almost every single morning. I do the same when I meditate in the sauna, and I meditate daily in the sauna after a workout. Um, my workouts are 25% of the time for physical benefit and 75% of the time for my mental stability and my emotional stability. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think when, you know, when it's about two things um, or more, you're going to get there more often. So some days I want to see muscles and some days I, you know, I just don't want to lose my mind over something or I want to yeah. work through something. You know, everything that happened physically carried over emotionally, spiritually, that was just kind of the kickoff to everything. And it brought lots of challenges with it, too. You know, it's not all fun and games to go through a drastic change. There, everything changed. Let's uh, get on to the, the side of the coaching, because one thing that I've always found interesting is when someone is going through a drastic change or, or even a, a health change, the coach really isn't spoken about a lot. So as the coach, and you had mentioned your experience, what's one of the more satisfying parts of the job is it seeing the physical change is it noticing uh, a characteristic change as far as their mentality uh towards exercise what do you find the most gratifying of being a coach being somebody who goes from very very little confidence to just you know just an adequate amount of confidence and even sometimes an enormous amount of confidence is huge seeing and hearing about the things that are taking place in their life that that have changed. You know, I've coached a wide range of people, everybody from 11 years old to I think my oldest uh, person I've coached was 77. And I coached a 69-year-old couple. Uh, we're, we're still very close friends today. And they, I think, I think they were in their 60s. Um, but collectively, they lost, you know, over 130 pounds. They have grandkids. They have health conditions. My uh, husband was was diabetic, couldn't tie his shoes when he first came in the door. He had Velcro shoes. He he walked very slowly. And I just saw, I saw their lives change dramatically. Um, so witnessing those things, hearing them say things like, I played on the on the floor with my grandkids. Um, hearing people say things like, I, I, I walked up and down my stairs five times unloading Christmas decorations. And it's been four years since I've been able to get anything out. And then just I would say, you know, mo- the most gratification comes from uh, long-term coaching where I get to see not just the weight loss part of it and not just the the gradual changes and uh, along the way, but I get to see all of that come together and be sustainable and watch them continue it on and not abandon it and um, and, and maintain everything that they've done. That, that's, to me, is 
when my job is over that to me says I I've done my job and my work here is through and I and I can be proud of it. Obviously those benefits are are amazing the that that sort of seeing the successes when we as people go into one of those like say, say a new year's resolution or something where it's I'm going to get in shape I'm going to lose weight more often than not it falls by the wayside pretty quickly. Now when somebody's seeking out the help of services of somebody like you obviously maybe they're a little more focused so maybe you see a lessened percentage of that but is there a struggle with that being a coach of of really wanting something for somebody and maybe they don't want it as much for themselves oh man yeah definitely um i actually my uh, my old manager we had a sit down about six months into my my coaching and he said uh you can't save them all kid right. and um <laughs> but it's it's my job to stay in their ear and just and just let them know I'm there. And, and if I get the opportunity to get them in front of me, those are the moments that they need coaching the most are these moments where nothing's happening, but everything is happening all at once. And they don't feel like they can stay committed to it. Your commitment means so many different things when you're making a, a lifestyle change. And it's, I have, I've been through divorce, grief, dating, uh, getting married again, a heavy diagnosis myself moving four times, financial struggles, unemployment, not having a car, family drama, sick family, family in prison. I mean, there's not, all of these things presented challenges and sometimes it was about maintenance. Sometimes it was about pushing pause and just uh, reflecting on, on the circumstances and deciding from those circumstances, what's the best that I can do right now and, and learning how to be okay with that. So those are the moments that everybody tends to not come in. Nobody wants to report that they're doing poorly, but, but if they don't work through those, you know, the odds are that, that something similar or, or the same things are going to present themselves over again. And if you, you work through it during the first time, then you're going to know how to go about it on your own the second time. Well, before we get out of, uh, let you get out of here and thank you again for your time, this is that time period, like Tim was speaking about, when the New Year's resolutions were made in January and, you know, they're all gung-ho and we're ready to go, but now it's the end of March and, oh, work got a little bit too too much and oh you know the kids practices yeah it's cold outside (laughs) so without giving too much away because obviously we want people to get in contact with you and get started with you but can you give us some tips for just the everyday person who might have fallen off of their new year's resolution but are still trying to get back on the wagon and you know accomplish those goals my best advice would be to reflect on on why you decided that in january and you don't always have to stick with your why. You know, if you need to reevaluate it, reevaluate it. Why, why do you want to stick with it? Why do you want to continue doing it? And then keep it simple. Decide uh, what needs to stay first before you decide what needs to go. Everybody uh, likes to say, well, I need, to stop eat, um, I need to stop eating fast food so much. You know, what that really translates to is I need convenience. And if convenience is important, we've got to figure out how to keep things convenient. And then just seek out support, whether that's from your best friend or somebody who isn't afraid to tell you like it is and always, always has your best interest at heart or, or a coach like me, seek out Seek out help with that and then um, plan ahead. Failing to plan is planning to fail. And even if you're just planning for the day, following day, um, that's where willpower comes with. From Willpower is directly related to decision-making. So if you can make those decisions in advance, 
you're going to reduce the amount of decisions you make in a day and keep your willpower tank full so that in those critical moments you can make the, the decisions that most align with your goals. But no, find me um, at thehealthhustlecoach.com and that'll lead you to the rest of my social media platforms. Reach out, ask me anything. And I really appreciate you guys having me on tonight. Well, we appreciate you coming on and everybody should uh, put down the Chick-fil-A pizza and beer like Alex did and, and find her online. Like she said, and, uh, let's, let's get this done. Let's get you back in shape. Let's get your mind right. And let's get you uh, a well-oiled machine. And we appreciate you coming on here. This has been a very unique and interesting story. And then just, it, it's neat that you're now paying it forward out there, trying to, uh, to do what others have done, uh, to help you along the way. And, and we appreciate you coming on and telling us about it. Awesome. I appreciate the opportunity. Have a good night. Tim and Tom. Man, Tom, that's a it's it's inspiring story. It really is. And like she said, she is one that has that life experience to where when you're wanting to get advice, you know that the person you're talking to has lived it and is walking it and it has that integrity and has those real life situations that they can rely on to help you. So I think it's really great what she's doing. And like you said, paying it forward. You know, a lot of people helped her out that she mentioned to help her transform her life. And now she was taking those lessons that she learned, those uh, valuable nuggets of information and then using it to to help you and so again uh, get in contact with her on social media she is very responsive and she is very willing to to help you out so i think um if you listen to that interview and and you're inspired and you want to take that next step definitely uh get in contact with alex and she'd be glad to help you yeah because listen whatever is happening whatever's distracting you whatever is weighing on you whatever's a major problem in your life is not that drastically different than other people have experience and can help you with and if you don't have a social network around you all the more reason to go find a coach like alex and even if you do a coach like alex is still great because their focus is doing what's in your best interest and you sought them out looking for help on keeping a focus on your physical health and that's what they're going to be concerned with and she knows very well that you can do it through all sorts of adversity as she had mentioned so reach out if you if you would like some assistance and we are going to take a break so tom come back and tell you about some of the fun stuff you can do uh, when you're not working out and getting in shape over the week And we'll do that when we come back to Tim and Tom. Fun fact, a 2013 survey found that 46% of mothers said their husbands caused them more stress than their children. Tim and Tom. This episode of Tim and Tom is brought to you by Your Business. Tim and Tom's listeners could be hearing about Your Business right now. They could be hearing Your Business's address. Or Your Business's website address. Or even Your Business's phone number. But they're not hearing that right now, are they? If you want the listeners of Tim and Tom to know more about Your Business... Contact us at timandtomkc at gmail.com. Tim and Tom. Oh, Tom, another week went by, uh, another weekend chock full of events. I missed some of the great events that you you told us to do because I was super busy, but I might not be that busy this time. What do we have in store this week? Oh, we've got some good ones. So let's kick it off on March 24th. Uh, This is going to be a day event Saturday from noon to four. It's called March for Our Lives. Now, this is going to be held at the Nelson Atkins. 
uh, actually at the park across the street. This is going to be a march uh, to say, basically, we must protect American human lives. You know, enough. Fancy that. Uh, Yeah, weapons are not the most important thing. People are. Join together and make that statement. So it's going to be a nationwide event. The one specifically for Kansas City, again, will be at 533 Emanuel Cleaver 2 Boulevard, Kansas City, Missouri. Again, that's across the street from the Nelson Atkins. It's called March for Our Lives. It starts at noon, goes till 4, might go a little bit longer. But if you uh, are interested in making that you know, social impact, that, that cause known, uh, I encourage you to go out there and, and let your voice be heard and join others uh, and join that, um, that event. Again, that's going to be Saturday, uh, March 24th from noon to 4. Uh, yeah, don't go to Emanuel Cleaver 1 Boulevard. You will be in the wrong place. You need to go to Emanuel Cleaver 2 Boulevard because uh, that's where the march will be happening. But in all seriousness, uh, it's a cause uh, I feel strongly about. I assume, Tom, uh, you do as well. Yes. You picked it out mm-hmm. and brought it up. Yep. If you can be there, be there. Also, of course, given the nature of it, be safe and be aware uh, of your surroundings. And um, Definitely. And now let's get into the next event. That night, March 24th, at 7 o'clock at the Turner Rec Center uh, in Kansas City, Kansas, we have... The end of heartbreak TV taping as the NWL presents a heavyweight championship match between the monarch Jeremy Wyatt and the man beast, the beast incarnate in Kansas City, (laughs) Jack Foster. That Jack Foster is an intimidating human being. Look, okay, we... We're big wrestling fans. We know the local wrestling is uh, the Monarch. Jeremy White is a good friend of our previous show, the Spanish Downs Table, as was Jack Foster. Mm-hmm. Both great uh, people, human beings, awesome people to talk to. But physically uh, intimidating is Jack Foster. I mean, the man towers above you. He is just large. And just you're like, yeah, this guy could probably kill me right now if I angered mm-hmm. him. So yeah. uh, it, it, if, if for nothing else to go out and see the spectacle of that man out there putting on athletic feats of strength and just, you know, uh, I don't, you know, just athleticism, uh, is, is great. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, to his credit, Jeremy Wyatt, probably the best wrestler in the Midwest, in my opinion, oh, so yeah. smooth, so technical. If you like pro wrestling and you want to see it, uh, at its highest level on the independent mm-hmm. circuit, uh, NWL, we cannot speak more highly of. It is a great show, great product. If you uh, just want to check out what a pro wrestling show is like, I definitely suggest the NWL. And again, that's going to be in, at the Turner Rec Center, March 24th. Doors open at 7. Now, to keep with that intensity, that physicality, mm-hmm. yeah. that that sense of fear and mm-hmm. danger, I got this next event for you. Now, it's going to be March 28th okay. at the Sprint Center. So that's yep. a Wednesday night at 7 p.m. We have... To keep on par with the NWL and their world championship match, we have an event that almost exceeds that intensity, that physicality, that drama. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Disney on Ice. Oh, yeah, man. Woof, the brutality. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dare to Dream Tour. Now, this is going to be at the Sprint Center, as I mentioned. For information, go to ticketsforless.com. Again, that's going to be a Wednesday night, March 28th. Doors open at 7 o'clock. In all seriousness, this is a great time. Anytime Disney on ice, anything happens, Mm -hmm. it's going to be fun. This is the Dare to Dream Tour. Uh, So definitely get your little ones out there. Or if you're an adult and you want to live out some childhood fantasies in an appropriate manner, 
uh, go out and uh, enjoy Disney on well, Ice at the Sprint Center. And I've been to some of these having children myself and just Disney, especially if you've seen some Disney movies or Pixar, you know, things of that nature. They do a very good job of also entertaining the adults in an adult enough manner that the kids aren't going to understand the joke, right? But it's also not so blue that it's vulgar, right? I mean, there's there's some fun stuff in there for the adults as well. And just these are top level performances. If I were to tell you uh, this person is the best at dancing, singing, acting while on ice skates they're probably doing it for disney on ice i mean there's not a whole lot of other gigantic operations doing this so you're gonna see some world-class level performance here definitely now let's get into the next event and man it feels like it just ended last week and it's coming back and it couldn't come back any quicker because we love it here in Kansas City. Not only are we a football town, we are a baseball town. And opening day at the K, Kauffman mm-hmm. Stadium, Thursday, March 29th at 3 o'clock. It goes down. Opening day, baby. I can't tell uh, you more. I mean, 2015 uh, World Series champions, your Kansas City Royals, will be making their debut in the 2018-2019 Major League Baseball season at Kauffman Stadium at 3 o'clock. They're going to uh-huh. come away with the victory. I don't see them losing another game. And here's when it starts. Because you're not watching? Or, okay. Yeah, just like you predicted the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl. Uh, that was that's really... I've got the Royals winning the World Series. Hosmer, go have fun <laughs> on your waves in San Diego. Kane, go have your fun beer in Milwaukee. We got we got Salvador Perez. We got Moose. We got Gordon. We got Esky. We got some pitchers. Duda. Boy, yeah, it's our year. We got Duda. Yeah, the guy that can't throw it from home to or from first to home. Yeah. We got Duda. Yeah. The guy he's that ensured we'd win that game. Uh, he lost that, us that yeah. much. Now he's going to win yeah. one for us. He yeah, gave we... us one, and <laughs> now we're going to get one. Yeah. Here we go, guys. Uh, Let's get it going. Opening yeah. day at the K. Can't tell you yep. any more about K-Day. that. No. K-Day it's K Day. It's K Day. It's just K. Start calling it K Day at the K. <laughs> yeah, K Day at the K. It's K Day at the K. K. We're going to go K. K. Okay. All right, let's review our events here. All We've right. got, uh, again, March 24th, March for Our Lives, Kansas City. This is going to be at 533 Emanuel Cleaver 2 Boulevard, Kansas mm-hmm. City, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Across the street from the Nelson Atkins uh, that starts at noon, goes till 4. To the park also across Mar- the street, right? Exactly. Yeah. Also on March 24th, uh, we have the NWL presents the end of Heartbreak TV taping. Uh, this is going to be at Turner Rec Center. That starts at 7 o'clock. Should go to about 10, 10.30. And an then, amazing show. You will not be disappointed. And another amazing show, March 28th, the Disney on Ice Dare to Dream Tour. This is going to be at the Sprint Center. Uh, again, that is a Wednesday night. Starts at 7 o'clock. End time they have marked at 10 p.m., so just long enough to get the kids out there and get them right back to bed. And then... Let's get it going, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm. Let's start clapping it up. Let's get it going. Here it is. Win one of all of them. March 29th, Kauffman Stadium, Thursday, 3 p.m. Win one of 272, however many games they play. We're we're never losing again. That's that's when it starts. What do they play now, 352 games a season? I heard it was 600, but, you know, we're getting. So opening day at the K, March 29th, Thursday. 3 p.m. Kauffman Stadium. <laughs> Thursday, March 29th, 3 p.m. Opening day at the K, baby. 
How how uh, how boring is this sport that it takes us 180 games to figure out who's the best at it? I mean, come on. <laughs> what is going on You're here? Well, we already know who the best is. Now we just got to do it. Right. We, we just see do the it. goal. Hey, look. We've, we've already look. achieved the goal in our hearts. So now it's just out there to perform the action. Look, here. here here's the deal. Uh, yes, they had to turn a corner and look towards the next World Series, right? And look towards the next. But look at it this way, man. Uh, it's every 30 years, and we've already gone three. So, you know? We're winning. We're winning. Tim, <laughs> All right. we're winning. Yeah. 2018, the year of the new idea and the year Ooh. of the win. Yeah. Okay. K-Day. K-Day. Tom's favorite. I can't tell you. How much this warms my heart, Mm -hmm. but Daniel Bryan, professional wrestler at the time, retired professional wrestler has now been reinstated and is now an active member on the roster for the WWE. Uh, For those of you who do not know who Daniel Bryan is, he's probably the most respected and well-liked professional wrestler on the face of the earth. He's also one of the best professional wrestlers on the face of the earth. He had to retire a few years back for some health reasons. Um, he was held back from performing in the ring because of those health reasons. Uh, over the course of time, he's taken the actions he needed to uh, get back into the ring. A series of doctors, his own and WWE's, has cleared him to perform in the ring. And as of today, this recording, March 20th, 2018, he has stated that he will be back as an active member in WWE. And that warms my heart to see someone be able to do what they love again. And... It warms my heart because I love watching what he does. So it's a win-win for both of us. So my favorite thing of the week, Daniel Bryan in the WWE. I, too, am very excited. I, too, am a huge professional wrestling fan. And Daniel Bryan, of course, just epitomizes so many things of just the underdog mentality, the likable guy, the the person who has never wanted anything but this, that, you know, so many mm-hmm. endearing qualities to Daniel Bryan and an immensely compassionate human being. And, you know, I mean, just all around great quality human being. Uh, So to see him get back to doing the thing he's been begging and wanting to do for so many years now, because when that happened, when his, hey, you can no longer do this happened, some people forget it happened right after the hugest culminating moment of his lifelong goals, right? His career is Mm -hmm. he finally won the biggest championship on the biggest stage and the whole world was behind him. You still see some layovers in the mainstream media of the yes chance that was completely Daniel Bryan's doing. Yes, uh, he'd Mm -hmm. taken it from an MMA fighter, but it blew up because of Daniel Bryan, right? Right. So... uh, yeah, that is great because he has repeatedly said his doctors were clearing him earlier. Now, anybody's personal doctor, you always got to go, okay, yeah, right? So WWE, obviously, and with, with very reasonable uh, measures, were a little standoffish and wanted their own doctors to clear him, which they wouldn't. But Daniel Bryan repeatedly said he was going to wrestle again, right? <laughs> but he was under contract with WWE for quite a while, so it wasn't going to happen anytime soon. But he made it very well clear. If I'm not wrestling here, I'm wrestling somewhere. I mean, he didn't use those exact words. but uh, So I'm excited to see that it's here with the whole world watching. Definitely. I can't wait. He should be a part of this year's WrestleMania in some shape or form. Uh, so we shall see what that looks like. But I'm excited for him to get back to doing what he loves. I'm excited to see him on my TV as an active wrestler soon. Uh, because obviously the storylines have started now. And we'll get back to... 
him being a professional wrestler on a full-time basis, which is my favorite part of him as far as on my TV screen. And also on top of that, all around great guy, as Tim said. And if you like autobiographies and you're interested in all the nice things that we said about him, read his book. It's honestly one of my favorite autobiographies across the board, not just pro wrestling across the board. And I read a lot of autobiographies. What I've read of it so far is great. And I can't wait to read the rest of it, especially since uh, this guy I know loaned it to me and he probably really wants it back, but I'm really selfish and don't. Really not concerned with his feelings generally. Um, so I've heard that about you. Yeah, yeah. I've heard that about you. I mean, the guy, I mean, yeah. the guy's, you know, ah, I mean, you know, the guy yes. probably goes into his library and records mm-hmm. a podcast every week and looks at that missing spot where the book should have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if he did that, I mean, that makes sense that he, you know, does stuff like that. I mean, <laughs> do that. But anyway, uh, yeah, I, I've got to finish reading it. It is good from what I've read, and, and it's super excited to see Daniel Bryan back doing the th- the only thing. I mean, obviously he loves his family and whatnot, but the only thing he's ever loved to do uh, mm-hmm. is pro wrestling. So that's fun. Tim's favorite. I love the NCAA March Madness in general as its entire being. But most specifically, I get the most geeked when it involves the Kansas State Wildcats. Now, uh, we've been there for the last six years, but it's not been great. We won a play-in game, so most people really don't even count that, right, as a win. Nope, that is not a real win. Right, I don't either. Uh, So we have not had a round of 64 win in any of those until this year, which was great. Uh, finally, right? Which is where I thought it was going to end because it was Virginia. I mean, really, nobody foresaw what was going to happen as we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. People forget Kansas State's history was uh, so now because of the Sweet 16 run, we're 11th all time in Sweet 16 history. But so K State has been not there for a while. So I- I'm super excited to have this back. Uh, and see them moving on and advancing. I'm super excited though. K State's coming on. We've got to face Kentucky, which, oh man. I mean, we talked about this earlier. That is some affect, hey, right? No, hey, anything can happen. It's a anything tournament of it's a tournament of craziness. Yep. Madness ensues. So have some faith. Yeah, K State. We are getting back Dean Wade, the all conference uh leading scorer six ten uh four guard, right? Or four four spot. Okay. Okay. So, we don't need a breakdown yeah. of the game. Uh, so, so, so that'll be the interesting point, right? It'll be the is the guy coming back? Is he fresh? Can they take down the blue blood? Because after that, it kind of opens up. We mentioned this earlier. There's not a whole lot of top-level teams left, right? So there's four games left. I'm geeked. I'm excited. This is what we talked about this where you're like, ah, you're you're much more into the pro sports because it's that elite level. You want to watch the best of the best. Mm-hmm. This is when the college sports fandom starts to pay off is when your team's doing well you know, with a shot at – at the end game. So I'm excited for this. Uh, I've got my K-State stuff surrounding me everywhere. It's all I can think about. Oh, of course, course you do. I'm not yeah, getting any real work you. done per se. Nope. This podcast probably sucks aside from the interview no. with Alex because that was great. Yes. Well, my parts probably sucked. My parts have probably sucked throughout the show. Not the first time. Uh, not what, Really? What? Tim and Tom. So this was a great episode, yeah. Tim. <laughs> This is a fantastic episode. Loved all parts of it. And let's get out of here because next week uh, we've got another jam-packed fun show for you. 
Um, again, thank you to Alex for sharing her inspirational story. Oh, yeah. If you would like to contact her, again, find her on the social media. Find her. Contact her. She is ready, willing, and able to help you out with achieving your own goals and dreams and fitness and mental toughness. And so get in contact with her. Uh, but for now, we're going to get out of here, right, Tim? Yep. Yeah, we're going to get out of here. And I think the moral of this episode is that you should be rooting for K-State on Thursday when they play Kentucky. Anything less than that is really, I mean, you're you're kind of showing that you're you're probably not the best human being in the world. I mean, really, if i got to be honest with you. All right, well, hey, fun yeah, fact, right. per <laughs> right. calorie, broccoli has more protein than beef. See me getting to that work, you only do it part-time. I don't see you catching up, you in for some hard times. You see how big I done came up from that small time. Oh, it's puff time. I'm here for the all time. See me getting to that work, you only do it part time. I don't see you catching up, you in for some hard times. See how big I done came up from that small time. Oh, it's puff time. I came for the all time. I just want a banner in the rafters, bedroom at posters plastered. Looking at them made me want about it. Knew I had to master faster. The life I looked to capture. Tim and Tom.